0: Starting with the first thing that you put on in the morning, Beneath inspires you to be your most authentic self. Get ready to experience increased comfort that radically outperforms anything that you've tried before while leaving minimal impact on Mother Earth. Use the code UNITY to get 15% off at checkout at Beneath.com. That's B-N-3-T-H dot com. Starting with the first thing that you put on in the morning, Beneath inspires you to be your most authentic self. Get ready to experience increased comfort that radically outperforms anything that you've tried before while leaving minimal impact on Mother Earth. Use the code UNITY to get 15% off at checkout at Beneath.com. That's bn 3 t hcom Hey everyone, welcome to this week's episode. I am with a really cool human and I think I spoke
1: about this yesterday on the show and what it really is, is over COVID, I've gotten such great opportunities to sit and chat with amazing people. And I've grown close with all these people, it feels like. But the thing is, I've never actually met him in person. And I don't even, it's so weird, but I've, I'm so lucky to have Ron O'Farrell on the show. This guy is a former U.S. Army Ranger. Not only that, he's a vet advocate, eight years served in the Army, five-year special operations. He works Heavily on three boards of charities to work to prevent and help advocate for veterans with TBI and for PTSD. He's on the board of the PTSD Foundation, Defenders of Freedom, and Sail Ahead 219. And I am so excited to have you on because I have watched your Instagram, I have watched what you're doing for vets, I have seen. The work that you do with TBIs and education, and how much you are doing. And I'm just grateful to have you. So, welcome to the show, my friend.
2: Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure and an honor. Long time, yeah. uh, long time fan and a, a first time caller, right?
3: First time caller.
2: <laughs> first time caller. Yeah. It's
1: so, it's, yeah, just get a real New York accent. Come on. It's, <laughs> it's exciting because you guys, you, um, i I started to get to know you because you were supposed to be our 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 token our token guy at the last ceremony yeah. and then you got you had some stuff go on and we never yeah. actually got a chance to meet in person and since right. then we've been talking and I've been watching and my god you're you're what people hope for when you see a veteran get out of the military you you do the work you educate. And you put your all into helping that community.
2: Right. Yeah. <clears throat> you know, it's um it's a it's it's a lifelong journey, right? I mean, and that's that's the thing is like what is that end goal but the the journey along the way and I think that's what obviously that's what shapes us. Um and you know, it, it wasn't until really the last six years that I really, you know, jumped had to jump back in, right? And forced in a way. But got back into it, and and it's 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 incredible to to see, and that's what I like to encourage now is how important it is to stay connected to the veteran community, right. and so that we can be there for each other, help each other, and you know, as I learned when I was traveling with um, with CIA retired John Wayne Troxel is it's not just about you know our military, but it's also about our partners and allies around the world.
1: And that's nice of you because <clears throat> it feels like right now more than more than anything. The allies are, you know, our the United States allies are. They're doing what they can, but I, I, I'm not even going to try to sugarcoat it. Canada's doing nothing. So, I'm, you know, Canada's got its head so far, it's up its ass. It doesn't know which way is right or left. And during the Afghan pullout, you saw that there was no attempt from Canada whatsoever to make any efforts. And when you speak with the people and the representatives from Canada and I ask them, they say, well, we just don't have the equipment. We don't have the personnel. And I say, that's bullshit. That's lies. That's, you know, we may not have the equipment. We have the personnel, we have the support, but you get the other allies that are really doing the work. You get the Brits who are going, you know, full force in with the United States and, and, and just, you know, doing what needs to be done. And it's nice to see people care outside of just the United States, because I feel like, At least I've noticed, and I don't know about you, but being a Canadian, um, for example, when I go to the states, if somebody asks, uh, you know, if you're military or you know you go to get on a plane and all of that, you have to be military. Da 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 da. If you go to the United States and you show them a Canadian military ID, they'll tell you it's not valid, Mm
3: -hmm.
1: and they say it doesn't count. It 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 doesn't count. And my response is depending on the mood. Is right. always quite aggressive. It's right. like cool when your next guy is bleeding out. I'm gonna go. Well, you don't count.
3: Right, right. You
1: don't count, and then I walk right. away because it's it's this idea that the United States mm. is this all. They're number one. They're the only ones. They're the only people. And that's just not true. So it's nice to see that stigma being broken, that there are allies, there are other militaries, and those have a ton of veterans and and the communities there that need just as much support as any other uh, veteran country that has military in it. It's nice to see you taking that stance, though, in my
3: personal opinion.
2: Well, you know, and I I think to... Not in defense of, but in a, as an understanding of, mm-hmm. like we'll put it that way. Um, <clears throat> I didn't really gain that much of the insight until recently myself, in a in mm-hmm. a grander scale, in a bigger the bigger scheme of things. And I think there's a while while the US in the military th- thinks that for the most part, and because we are, you know, usually the the, the prominent you know or uh, dominant force in that area. Usually, you know, appears in those theater of operation, right? Now, the the other part is that we're also in over a hundred, hundred, hundred twenty, hundred thirty countries around the world, right? Yeah. With, or, <laughs> with our partners and allies that nobody really understands. So, see, when I was a you know coming up as Ranger, for example, you know, we, we it was like, hey, you guys are the shit. You know, <laughs> we're gonna tell you, you're gonna, shit, they're gonna show you this shit, and we're gonna also shit on you, <laughs> you know. So it's yeah, all back exactly. together, right? But you know, and and that, and it, and it needed to be that way, right? We we, we for the job that we had, and then there we understood. Okay, now we're working with different branches. Uh, mm-hmm. And then as you gain get more in your career, it's okay. Oh, we are working with different, you know, partners in some strategic areas, mm-hmm. and you know. But for some of us, like for example, when I got out the first time, I was the E five, right, sergeant, and so my focus then I didn't have this knowledge, this vast knowledge of how really connected that we 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 were and what and at what level these decisions are are being made and processed. And so um it wasn't until, you know, as I started jumping back into the community and then even the veteran community first and then naturally into the active duty side when we started putting transition programs together and then was recently when I got to travel with uh, with the CAC and that opportunity allowed me to see from a strategic command. And here's, you know, here's an interesting thing is just kind of segue with the title to tie it together a little bit. So when I first met uh, Siak Troxel, right, he, and just so everybody knows, this the senior enlisted advisor to the chairman of Joint Chiefs of Staff. So his direct reports were to uh, uh, Secretary of State uh, Mattis as well as our Secretary of Defense Mattis, sorry as well as, uh, General, uh, Dunford. And so when he retired, he retired here and he just rolled off and we had done a a loan on his house out here. And he, um, they said, well, why don't you come on and be the brand ambassador? I want you to introduce you to Ronald O'Farrell and stuff like that. Because at the time I was the national director of education, you know, doing all this travel. And I looked at him and I said, you know, I'd find me, figured out who he was because it's a new rank right It's the first mm-hmm. time that they've had this senior enlisted side to look out for the nco core and i said you know it's all <laughs> i i kind of like didn't give a shit who drank who he was <laughs> right you know because we you probably figured that out about all us right now right yeah uh that's awesome but you know and i'm coming off of you know suicides and you know like really working these real shit hands on right on the other side and i'm like hey it's kind of like, hey, what the fuck is going on in there? It's great that you guys have, you know, you're rolling off this career and you, and, and, you know, the military was at its strongest probably at that Mm -hmm. point in, in, in in a lot of different ways, strength and numbers and probably budget. But what are you doing for the transition side? Because here's what we're facing now that you're out. What are, is it that you can use your influence in and really helping attack this? My vision, because at the time I'd, started up with the ranger for life programs so we we're doing within the regiment and i shared with them my vision would be to do this not only army-wide branch-wide but you know all over the department of defense and he says and he gave me this look and he just it was a, a look of despair really like his eyes got big and he just says you know what i'm all in oh wow right that's what I, i'm thinking that I'm never like, happens. Oh, shit, that never happens right he says i'm all in brother And not only are we going to do it for the United States and the Department of Defense, we're going to do it for the whole world and its partners and allies. And I got, let's fucking get some. Let's fucking go. Right. And I got, I chilled some goosebumps just from the moment I heard it. And you know what? And he hit the mark every single time. And we did that. We, uh, COVID, even with COVID in the way, we went to Fairchild Air Force Base, uh, together, jumped on that stage and we spoke in front of probably over 300, 400, uh, airmen.
3: Oh, Wow, and
2: um, we had an opportunity also to sit with um, some you know, all the senior leadership there, and then from there, it, it then we started, you know, he started using that influence. Next, you know, we're talking with the UK, and then we're talking with you know, these other CX, and we do other strategic commands, and you know, and, and really sharing what can be done with um, integrating the community, preparedness for transition, you know, because that. You know, um, uh, prepares for or prevents, you know, suicide. uh, At least tapers it. Those things, so that way, it really gives veterans a really a a good jump start, right? So we can be very more pro proactive versus reactive.
1: Because that's what's happening. We're seeing this epidemic happen, and I call it an epidemic because when you're seeing the level of people that are attempting suicide or carrying through with it, or just the the overall overwhelming amount of veterans that are homeless because of whether it be mental health issues coupled with over prescription um over prescribed prescriptions where it just makes them unwell there is just this long list of issues we have when it comes to transitioning out of the military and i Mm. not even just the military too i know in canada we like um the rcmp fall under our federal program with the veterans affairs and Right. Even when they transition out, it's a similar type of thing where they're running out of a similar type of program. And the problem with the program is that the program doesn't work. The Veterans Transition Network does its best. But at the end of the day, when they, the way that I went through the program and say to, I think it was 2011, it was just not adapt to what it needed to be to handle the level of trauma that was coming out of this 20 year war sure. because we just couldn't see it yet. We started to see Correct. it, but- <clears throat> People weren't seeing it to the extent that it is now. My
2: God, right. you know, and it's it, it's kind of that thing where the you have the the, the frog in the warm water, right? Mm-hmm. Slowly turn it up, or mm-hmm. if you throw it in there, right? And mm-hmm. so I, so in two, so, so this was probably been December two thousand seventeen, eighteen, nineteen. Yeah, so this month, actually, this week is. On the 30th was when my good friend Matt Wilson suicided, right? And after, when he did, I was searching for answers because I'm like, hey, I'm supposed to be this person. Mm-hmm. And my right-hand guy is like, what the fuck? Did I, you know, what did I miss? What did I do? And and so I went to this PhD, a friend of mine introduced me to this PhD who was specialist in suicide. And they were doing this continuing education course and it was 15 PhDs. And they invited wow. me, and then me, right? <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, buddy.
3: I'm like, let's I'm fuck like, some shit up. <laughs> yeah, right.
2: That's like, basically uh... what you're there
3: for, <laughs> right?
2: <laughs> and I'm like, I need some fucking answers, right? Right. And so, ironically, it had had to do with a lot. Of, well, because it was suicide, they had to. They put the numbers, and it happened to be the same doctor that it's assisted with that 22 a day number average. Mm. So this is all his data, right? And his okay. and what he's showing. Not all of it, but the the veteran portion of it in two thousand three the it was going you know suicides were about like this with veterans
3: mm-hmm. and then
2: in two thousand and three it went like this, and then it started kind of doing one of these right timing every for, as far as the daily and we could see a co- direct correlation of when it happened but when the war right when people when they started coming back, and we saw that mm-hmm. especially in special operations early on Fort bragg murders, and all that kind of stuff now. But nobody really knew and wasn't equipped for it, with it because we were still in that left kick that ass, right? Every, everyone, the whole world was really about that until it became uh epidemic. Like it came like, holy shit, now there's veterans. Like what's going on? The VA's just drugging people left and right. And was, they they, mm-hmm. they couldn't handle, and the system no. couldn't handle. When we talk about a broken system, it, just, it, it, it completely failed at all levels in those days. Now, fast, as we move toward what does it look like today, it's still not perfect. This, the there's some bones that are coming together with it, and that's where you know we were trying to. put, So, I'll give you an example. I have a good friend of mine who is a director at, at the at the VA here in Washington State. Okay, um, and uh, he's our go my go-to guy. I was in recruiting with him, and I, he's he's. Processed and assisted hundreds of people have sent to him. And um, he talks about this program called the Benefits Delivered to Discharge Program, where veterans or service members can get their physical, apply, and then within 30 days start receiving benefits, right? VA benefits. Oh, that's
3: that And compensation. Fast.
2: Exactly. So they can, there's a transition program that that, hand, that handles that from active duty to when they transition to a to into the civilian world, right? As okay. far as compensation, getting ahead of their VA. And um, then now recently, you know, my most recent travels was about four months ago. We, John and I were at Fort Bragg together and we went into that center and talked with HR and you know, really wanted to find out what's going on and what's the transition. And, and downstairs they have these booths that say benefits, delivery, the discharge, the, the, all these things and systems
4: there,
3: mm-hmm.
4: right? Now, keep
2: in mind they have all these things and systems there, right? Yeah. Now let me back up for, for a little bit. We also went to fourth infantry division in in Colorado, okay? And um we were able to speak to thirty nine command sergeant majors. Okay. Oh wow. Right? Yeah, and in Iran. <laughs> <laughs> right? <It's mine! laughs>
1: Here to fuck shit up. This is Ron.
3: So, what you're saying is, you want me to do
1: a recording intro so that every time you walk into these rooms, it's like, here's Sergeant Major this and decorated this and purple heart here, and then just run, ready to fuck shit up. And then just let that be your intro, and then that'll be the set right. the stage right.
2: for you. Dun, 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 dun. Right. 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 Right.
1: Right. Just one of those. You can just come out, swing in. Right
2: come out and I got, and I I got props too, but like just come out with the, the oh, shit. let's go. Let's do. Like, let's go. Who, are you we're fucking
1: t- Tim, the Viking over here? Like you should, he should be your body. Bro. You should bring Tim right with there. you. Right.
2: Yeah. Shit. So, so uh we were in the room and I say, I, I and, and I, and I ask him and I go through this, you know, spiel about my background and which I'll, I'm sure we'll get into in this podcast. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. The, the story of what catapulted me. Uh, and I said, hey, does it, who's heard of uh, benefits delivered to
4: discharge? Please raise your hand. Guess <laughs> how many hands were raised? I
3: don't know.
4: Take a guess out of 39.
3: I, out of 30, I'm going to give you 10.
4: Oh, God, no. Goose egg. Oh, no.
2: Here's the thing. And it's not their fault. And this is what I told them.
4: It's no, not it's not their fault.
2: Because the, now, mind you, these are all people that are getting ready to retire in the next zero to Five years, right? Yeah. So as I'm talking, everyone's, you know, down, 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 shotting it down, shotting it down. Now, here's the deal. These systems are in place, but the marketing of it and the availability and letting them people letting them know is not there. Also, what we have to break on is the culture and the stigma of when people get out. Because what happens amongst peers, when people get out in leadership to a certain extent, it's getting better. It gets because now we're because we're educating them like, hey, right. Don't fuck with specialist so and so or private so and so that's trying to get out to go to college because when you get out, you might be sitting across from them one day.
3: Yeah, exactly. Scaring you,
2: okay? Play nice, okay? Because there's too many of us out here right now. Yes, there are. And and so, uh, and that's and that's the thing is, is how how do we getting these systems to talk and tie in together? Because probably very much so, like it is in Canada, is you have the active duty and you have the VA. And they don't know how to even talk to each other. They don't really know how to integrate. They're just now in the dating phase, and they've been at this for a hundred and or two hundred over a hundred years, right? Right. So it's like, and they still haven't been able to get it right, or however long the V has been been around, right? First, the first benefits were paid had been the Civil Revolutionary War, I think, the Civil War. Right. So, um, anyway, so now they're starting to get it together a bit with this program. But it's very poor in how and those in the, the availability of the information to get to the people that really need it
3: you know it's really interesting
1: that you say that because I talk about this a lot and the and it's not from a ranting standpoint, but it's more from a, there's no need for this to be a communication breakdown that there is. There are plenty of tools. There are plenty of people that are traveling and working within these communities and going and educating on these bases and saying, look, this is where we're, we're falling short. It's no right. fault of your own. It's due to the fact that if you are in the VA and like, let me give you an example. Okay. So. I'll I'll use mine because the it's the one I know intimately and I know that I'm accurate about. When you get out and say you're because and this is something I want to know about you is um because I know when you get out, there's there's often different ways that systems that you're run through when you're injured, like you're a medical release, versus if you're just retiring or you're just like you're just re- voluntary releasing. And right. so for for example, with me, when it's a medical, uh, I had a 3B med release, okay? And so with that med release came an opportunity when I asked if I could just be moved and posted to the place where the person who was my support system, I would continue trying to get better and try to stay in because this is the career yeah. I wanted to stay in. Mm. Keep your investment. I'm worth the investment, right?
3: Correct, right.
1: What I found happened was, they were much more reluctant in wanting to keep you than they were in sliding a piece of paper in front of you that says, if you sign this right now, you can walk away today. Right. You don't get any benefits though. You don't get any support, but they don't tell you that. They get you at your weakest, most vulnerable moment when you just can't take it anymore. And then they slide the piece of paper in front of you because it's easier. And in mm-hmm. Canada, at least the JPSU and the OSI clinics and, and Veteran Affairs Canada there's a, a lack of communication within each unit, within each and every yeah. one of those. They all handle the transition, oh, yeah. the Veterans Transmission Network. When you talk to them, they all have something different to say. And the, the struggle becomes when the JPSU isn't talking to the doctors and when the doctors aren't getting the communication they need there, they can't advise them on how to handle the actual leaving the military process they don't they don't teach you how to go turn your kid in they don't tell you hey when you leave you're going to need to make sure you follow up with x y and z so that you can be eligible for benefits they give you a case manager that at most times has at least 75 veterans on their caseload and they can't depending on who they are they're not either going to put the effort in have the time or the mental capacity to take on another human so what Canada has now done, Canada has essentially, they're trying to help by farming out Veterans Affairs Canada's caseloads to an insurance company.
4: Wow. Okay. So man, Manu
1: Life, yeah, Manulife Insurance on the East Coast of Canada is taking over a lot of the caseload of Veterans Affairs. Here's where the system breakdown happens here. They want to do everything they can to make sure that they don't have to pay you. So what Mm -hmm. they do, and like, for example, they'll send to people who are already, and they have your medical records. So they can see if you have PTSD, if you're of paranoia, if you have trauma, if you've had all of those things. But then what they do is they call you and harass you. And then if you Mm -hmm. don't give to what they want, they send a PI to follow you. And that's what they did to me last year. Wow. So, and then they'll send you this huge pages reports being like, if you don't comply, then we're going to come back after you for fraud.
4: Wow. If
2: you don't need to go in for your follow-ups.
1: So, and the reason I didn't, okay. I re, so they wanted me to <clears throat> go to a new doctor because <clears throat> they didn't trust one of the world's leading PTSD specialists who had been my doctor for a decade. They didn't trust his reports any longer, even though he is literally, Dr. Greg Passy is, he's a retired military, served in Rwanda, served in Bosnia, doctor, fucking brilliant human. Literally would would give everything on his back for a vet. Mm, he will answer yeah. the phone and you know that kind of thing. And when they start questioning the people that are actually doing the work, this is where the system breakdown happens. When people are worth less than money is worth to them, when they become a number, mm-hmm. and we're seeing that in Canada. Oh yeah, and and I don't know how to fix that or or help educate within that because. Ever since we had our interviews come out and we started to be more public, people are reaching out. How do I get out of the military? What do I do when I get out? What's this? like, how do I get support? How do I right. get treatment? I don't have the answers.
2: Right, right. Yeah, um, and and that's, it's, and that's sad. And I've uh, actually been approached, um, which, which I'll probably be going to New York in the next, in a few weeks to follow up on this, but. Is, was what is there? It's building a process or a system Mm -hmm. or a, hey, a little how to guide. Uh, because there's, there's not enough force multipliers out there, right? There's not enough, uh, there's not enough Kelsey's, there's not enough Ron's, there's not enough, you know, John, there's not a, you know, we need to spark. Now, there's not, there's no shortage of people that want to help, right? I mean, it's, there's a lot, right? Mm -hmm. And, but how do you, Channel that right, put that into a direction that says, "Hey, this is how you can help," and that's that's the struggle, right? Because not one you have all these different organizations now that that's really taking it upon us as a community, Mm -hmm. as a veteran community, to say, "Hey, well, you guys aren't doing it. Here's what we're going to contribute. Here's what we're going to do," and and rightly so. And it's still that way here in the states as well, and big time, right? Which is why, well, that's why I'm you know part of so many boards is because. Each one gets after something a little bit different. One of them gets to the pinpoint of healing. One of them pushes community, you know, in the, you know, moving to the Caribbean, you know, that pushes the restful, peaceful mind state to promote positive and memories versus the negative ones, right? Right. It's, and, and so that's, but the, we can't rely on the VA to create all these yeah. systems and components, right? Um, so, you know, with that is I, I had just found out about it myself, you know, and really the reason why is when I started working more with active duty clients and finding out what their pains and struggles were and really seeking answers. And it took, I mean, shit, to be honest with you, it took me five years to figure that out to to a point of like, oh, you know, and, and it's, and learning this and learning more things and how things are coming together and where things are headed. And, it's a it's and it's what's it just sucks because they don't talk, right? It's like it's it's like it's like it's like having a set of parents that, which this was kind of like me. I I was you know I don't remember my parents together. I just remember them always fighting and never talking.
3: Mm-hmm. And I'm
2: the I'm the kid in the middle. I'm like, well, what the fuck, right? right. And that's how our militaries are, right? It, our transitioning service members were like, it's like okay, well, you know, example is is he, when the VA system. You can actually let me back up to what you were talking about about how the someone transitions out with their medical or the retirement right so mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. there's there's a few different ways in the uh here in the with the d o d department of defense for the u s is one is a med a medical board right you could what's mm-hmm. called a med board, and that's where they do all the transition work they get the v a involved they do all those things, but you have to be in that program.
3: Mm.
2: to even know and, and they just kind of kind of handle it for you it's like it's like having put it for example it's like having a platoon of great foster parents well oh god someone's that are okay right I mean, it really is it's like because they yeah. send you what they they send you to this unit you know they train, they, they you know with on post whatever it is and it's called you know i think it's like the warrior troop guy or something like that and and they uh it's that's just what you do. You're in this unit, and your job is to out process, right? So, <laughs> it's, right? It's the military. Oh my it's the god, <laughs> I love it that, so right? much. Right, and um, so then there's there's that, and there's also another process of like, hey, I want to get better. I can get better, you know, and 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 try to rehabilitate. You don't see that as much in the conventional side as much as you do on the special operations side, unfortunately, and its budget right? Very you have invested. Therapist. Yeah, exactly. So that's, that's, and that's where, where that stuff comes in. And they, and, you know, as well as, as their career goes along, you know, how can we, how can they physically keep them in? But what's, what's the challenge and what they're just starting to get after now in the active duty is human performance uh, programs where they are putting some mental aspects of that because they have recognized, okay, this is an issue. It's just, it takes forever for them to make any changes. Uh, and uh, so anyway, they, when and there's the, the, the transition, so then there's the, the part where you just get out, right? Screw it, mm-hmm. I'm going to get out. And you it's get VR. out, you have, yeah. And now you have the opportunity to file for VA claims. But before it was like, you just wanted to get out as soon as possible. Give me that shit. Let me get out. I'm going to go. That's right. So the problem is, is with that is you can, when you're in, you, you're at the front of the line, so to speak, of the VA.
3: Mm-hmm. When you
2: get out and you haven't filed, now you are at, you have 90 days and you have like, you know, special VIP access in line after 90 days, you go to the end of the line and that's 1.6 million long. Right. Mm-hmm. So, so it's, and we try to educate and let people know like, Hey, get ahead of this for your transition. Because mm-hmm. also is that, you know, since I've been doing the you know, working with suicides about seven years now, in, in pretty much all cases, each veteran that was in, a really bad way, had not had any file claims with VA, didn't even exist in the system. You know, in some instances, we're receiving benefits but not enrolled in medical because the VA, just like they're in Canada, the system don't speak either.
3: That's right.
2: So now you have a healthcare system that doesn't talk to claims. So you can be receiving a claim and healthcare doesn't even know that you exist as a veteran.
3: That's
1: so troubling.
2: I know others that have been receiving healthcare for 10 years and that have no claim and the VA claim side is like, Oh, we need to know. So, uh, we need access and permission Jeez, to get those. Help. Yeah. To get, so yeah. they need access from one division to, to another to the other. <laughs> yeah.
1: It's, you know, it's fucking and,
2: and it's a mind fuck. And so people, they, you know what they do? You know what they see? You say, you know what? Screw it. I don't even want to deal with this. Now, I it, shouldn't have to deal with this. I feel embarrassed to deal with this. They treat me like shit. So on and so forth, and that's where you have these these especially the folks that need it or that are unmed, they just want to get them you know off they, you know they're making a statement, staying on the hoods yeah. of cars, and you know it's suiciding and things of that nature to make a statement you know and um unfortunately, it has to get to that you know and when when people have been making statements for a long for a time long now time for now. generations now and what's interesting about that suicide gap mm-hmm. is what I've learned in when I was in that continuing education class is the highest percentage of veterans per day are those that are I believe it was like over forty five and it was aging the aging veterans are the ones that are actually have the are the highest percentage rate of our that, of that population of, of veterans to suicides
1: okay. Well, like break that, because if you break that down for a second mm-hmm. and you wrap your head around that, think about that. If you're looking at the average age and it's roughly 45 now and you're, and just so the people who aren't watching on YouTube, what Ron was showing with his hands was he was showing as if it was a, a graph or a chart and if you were to take the line and you were to slowly increase it and have it just go up as a spike, and that's what he meant by when you see it climb, and that's what he was talking about. But when, you, when you're when you talking about this, you're 45. Okay, well, the war started 20 years ago. So you've got people, I know Americans especially, your rate of rotation turnaround time, your rate of decompression time, the amount of times that you guys get deployed is astronomically higher it feels like than many other nations and i don't mm-hmm. know obviously you have bases all over the world like again there's a reason why you're still in japan there's a reason why you're still in korea there's a reason why you have bases in europe it's there is there is logistical reasoning behind that and i respect that the The issue is the turnaround time of the active combat arms, the people who are in the shit constantly, and the lack of decompression that is given. So if you backtrack that and say, right now, statistically, we're seeing average of, you know, the average people are around 45 with the suicide. Well, that correlates directly with the Afghan war. But even previous to that, you've got Iraq. For you guys, I say you guys, I mean the Americans – 86% of our listeners are American. So I I try to speak to the American Mm -hmm. as much as I can. And you've got these people even well before... Even well, before, you know, if you're 45 now, you're you're on your way out of the military and you have all of these traumas, you're you're coming out as a leader. The last thing you're gonna to want to do is sit down in front of your leadership and say, hey, by the way, for the past 20 years, I've wanted to fucking kill myself every minute of the day. You're supposed to be the strong person. You're supposed to be this person that could handle the weight of a transition. And it's just not reality, and we're seeing it now statistically. And what I was going to mention before, and I'm really proud of myself for remembering for once, <laughs> was um, when you say, you know, nobody talks, there is a lack and a breakdown of communication. There is just a, a massive uh, influx of individuals that want to help. I came up with an idea and it's it's nothing new and it's nothing dramatic, but I, I had this conversation with Griff recently on his second episode with me, and it was this idea of, it sounds very Lord of the Rings, but it's very, I think it could work, but it would take a lot of effort. Is this, this meeting once a year or what, twice a year of individuals who are running organizations or are doing the work like you and I are doing, or like Griff is doing, or these people are doing yeah. that have a different insight and education into these veteran organizations and having them all meet in one location once or twice a year and going, let's all create a network together. Let's all yeah. talk about the issues you're seeing in Texas, you're seeing in uh, New York, you're seeing in Washington, and create a resource platform because something that I saw after Jocko's podcast came out was an absolute influx of overwhelming people going, I need help. I've tried the VA, I've tried this, and yeah. I'm sorry. But when they're coming to a jewelry company and a podcaster for help, oh, yeah. you know you know there's some serious fucking problems.
4: Yeah, right. Yeah, and that's, you know, early on when I started getting, when I got into this work, the, uh, I posted, so this is about seven, about six years ago. Um, I had, was recovering from a severe DUI. So I, um,
2: the company I had before basically, you know, folded. It was a really a uh, a, a damn um, scandal. <laughs> like I was involved in a, a hot mess. Right, like right, right, yeah. It was, a, it was like holy shit. Like we had uh, raised a bunch, a ton of money for uh, with this company, the technology company. And the CEO decided mm-hmm. to use it as his own ATM, anyway, ATM, and it was, oh. it was it went all bad. Right, it got all okay. bad. So the uh, the end result was of that was me essentially being homeless. I put all my work into this, everything. Like it was my lifelong work, wrote patents. Like it was wild.
3: Oh my like, God. Like, yeah. Run.
2: So now I'm, I'm, I'm living up here in Bellevue and Kirkland and like living high on the hog. And then yeah, the next thing I know, I'm living with my ex in-laws. Right. Right. Um, awesome.
3: That's what we awesome.
2: want. That's fantastic. Right. Um, there's so, when I then I, was, you know, struggled and I was like, you know what, screw it, I'm gonna just drink and I was depressed. I didn't really know what depression was then. Right. What
1: year was this? Sorry, not to like pry, I, yeah, but no, I'm also okay. gonna pry.
2: So a, yeah, pry. That's okay. It's, it's, uh, I'm used to this, like, tell the story uh, in front of many a stages. Uh, so that would God, no one's ever asked the year. So that would have been 2000. So let's say seven uh, seven years ago.
3: Um, okay.
2: Yeah. So that would be what is that? Um, 2012, 14. thirteen, thirteen, You're 13 fourteen.
1: You're asking somebody who failed grade nine math yeah. uh, three times. Right? Yeah. I'll yeah. go with. It. <laughs> yeah. This is why I was the artillery gunner so, and not the officer calling the artillery. Let's be honest about this shit. <laughs> right. yeah. Pull the lever. You got it.
3: <laughs> Bam! Boom. Boom. Yeah, I can do my job.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. So this is 2011 to 2013 ish right. Okay. And the, and the, I think the DUI happened. And, 2014. So I, um, yeah. So anyway, I blew a 0.27. So if you don't see, that's a, that's a, yeah, Godfather status, three car collision thing. God, it didn't hurt anybody. And, um, oh my God. God. Oh, yeah. Went to jail. Like the whole, it was, it was all bad, all bad. And I had no plan, no clue, ship without a rudder. You know, I didn't care if I died or not. And, you know, there was some, Ideation, but I just couldn't because of my daughter. I was, I was, she was not eighteen yet. She was still going to school. I was still driving. You know, I'm teaching her how to drive and shit. And so, I was like, I need to do something. I need to do something to give back. But I don't know how to do that. I don't even know what I'm doing. So I ended up going to um, a ranger breakfast, and uh at a ranger, I was like, kind of, it's kind of like the cat, you know, tail between my legs, like, oh, I'm fucked up. I, you know and it, it turned out turns out that there was a whole bunch of fuck ups
1: <laughs> I was gonna say isn't like the special forces yeah. like the what did what did I learn when I started hanging <laughs> out with you guys was um the- it's the ranger starter package a divorce a DUI, <laughs> a, like a release um like a war crime accusation, and then like yeah. some other like weird shit because you guys are just ask questions after the double tap it's fine yeah. you guys are yeah i fucking. Yeah. Into- there's run, gun, fight, to be-
2: fuck. That's the that's the tagline. Yeah.
1: That's it. Run, gun, <laughs> fight, fuck? Oh, my God. I'm calling that your episode. Run, gun. I'm going to put Ron, gun, fight, fuck. Oh, my God. Ron, gun, fight, fuck. Ebi. <laughs> that is going to be the title of your episode, my friend. There we
2: go. All that's right. That's fucking
1: brilliant. I love it. Continue. My apologies. I get excited. Yeah.
2: It's all good. So we, uh, and that's, and it was a lot of that. <laughs> that just so time. much so, of that. Yeah. So, you know, I came back into the community and I was like, shit, you know, what am I, and that's, that's when I met Leroy Petrie. And, um, that he had just came back from Dallas and that's when the 22 a day number was released. Okay. So
3: that's okay. That,
2: that was that day. And, um, now, mind you, three years, four years prior, I, little fun fact. So there's a text message hotline um here where you can text uh, a number and get help that way.
1: Is that the so one that the they VA. put you on hold or you they put you to voicemail
2: nope this remember, is text Do you, you remember that oh that's that's that was a it's this this one's different this one's different that you can you still you still get the long hold music if you're calling the v a but this got one it. at least is a this is a little it's bit faster right more accessible it. okay um but I worked. I worked on a, on that project with uh, a gentleman named Izzy Abbas, who we got the carriers to donate uh, free text messages. All the carriers oh, wow. for this particular hotline to text into to for suicide prevention. Right, um, it's a crisis line. And when we first did it, it was so it was so epic. They had to build a new call center for it. So it went on hold for about eight months. Yeah, yeah. It was it was wow. pretty big. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, you know, next thing we know, Izzy sent me some updates and it's been millions of inter of, of text messages back and forth and hundreds, over hundreds of thousands of interactions. So I was thinking in my stupid mind, like, oh, I did a, I did a, I got a gold star. I did a thing. I did a Participation medal. Yeah, exactly. Here,
1: Ron, this is your medal. Thank you. Thank you. You're so welcome.
2: Appreciate that. And, uh, and so I saw that and I was like, wow, I, I needed, I need to pull myself, pull my head out of my ass and do something. Um, got found about um, loans. I had a buddy of mine who was like, "Hey, you know, you should do that for for you know I'm doing this for veterans." And I'm like, Pff. he was he was not a veteran, by the way. And oh. I was like, "Well, why the why the hell would anybody want to talk to you about loans? I don't even want to talk <laughs> to you about my my own loans. Like, and you're my friend. I'm Like, yeah, shut up, get right? out of
3: my face." <laughs> yeah.
2: And he goes, "You know what? You're right. Why don't you do something about that?" And I was like, I know, fine, man. (laughs) So I didn't have a pot to piss and I had no money, right? I got sponsored to take the, for the school. And then I got sponsored for the test. And I was the first time go on that, which was like, holy crap. All right. Mm -hmm. Because at this point, you know, I'm thinking DUI, all my, all my dreams are crushed of going overseas. All my, all my plan B was gone at this point as well. Right. So at that, at that point, I can't contract. I can't go back in the government job. I can't do this. That shit's gone.
1: So a right, DUI, DUI just fucks all of that?
2: Oh, yeah. Done. Kicked out of the, you know, sometimes it just kicked out of the whole military, kicked out of Ranger time immediately gone. Right. I
1: know officers you're- that did coke every other day for fun and never lose their shit, but you make oh, yeah. one bad mistake and it's just your whole life. That's like, they might as well have just sent you to prison and given you a, um, what's it called when you get out where you're like, um, oh, fuck. Ugh. When you get out of prison and you're uh, not well, an inmate, not an inmate anymore, but parole. you're like, yeah. On, oh, like you co- can't do, yeah. You're an ex-con. You might as well yeah. just like die because there's no way to get back into the system.
2: Correct. Ah. <laughs> yes. We're going to get there.
3: The words <laughs> yeah, gonna are going to come there. eventually. You're,
2: correct. So, you know, I, I couldn't, there was all these bailouts of I I I, I could no longer do. So, I, I, you know, getting into that industry, um, was interesting because I was like, okay, there's a need. What do I do? So I did what I did. I wrote a business plan, came into Veterans Lending Group, put it on the table. I said, this is what I want to do. Mm-hmm. If you want, don't want to do that, that's cool. Find someone else. And they were like, cool. Uh, but we want you we want to do that too. So a 45 minute interview turned into a three hour interview. Right. What
1: you're saying is when you go and you're like, listen, I don't really care if you want to do this, just not, I don't care, you don't have to like my toy, but if you want it you can have it, but if you don't then fuck you and they're like, But but I wanna play with your toy and you're like never mind you can play with my
3: toy <laughs> Yeah like that, <laughs> that. <laughs>
1: That's what that sounds like to me. That sounds like Jack coming to me like, Mommy, I like this, but you can't play with it if you don't want to. But I want to. Okay, never mind. You can Oh play.
2: shit. It 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 was totally like that. And then next thing I know, uh yeah, I'm talking with Ruth Bellano, then her husband, Mike Bolano, pops his head in the in the in the in the door. He's like, Um, you guys have been here a while. I'm gonna get some taco time. You guys want some tacos? And I was like, Fuck yeah, I do. Fuck yeah, I want tacos and I was like, I'm gonna like it here.
3: <laughs> this is so, my space.
2: This is my thing. So I, um, yeah, I got hired and then, um, I, I was like, well, if quickly, just cause who I am, I'm like, I can't be in an office. So how quickly can I get the hell out of here? <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and did I already that. already can't work here. Already can't work here. So, um, what I saw then immediately was, okay, I had this office space and mind you, um, so as soon, <laughs> as, soon as I get hired two weeks, a week later. There's so there's this bridge that was that this right this office, the first office was right under the Thunder Pass bridge, you know, a couple of bumps back there, so I'm awesome. no big deal, right?
1: Feels and great. I can know where
2: this feels is great. going. I'm like, awesome. So um I get arraigned and uh, you know, come in and the judge is like, Yeah, guess what? You're gonna get an ankle bracelet. So I go to get hooked up. They come hook you up. So this is six months later after the fact, right? What? <laughs> So I get hired. So one of my so here's oh, this is bonus. Oh so I'm talking I'm talking to them and I'm like, hey, um, so, so you know, I got a DUI and I'm about to have ankle bracelet situation, so I might need you to write some shit. And they were like, Oh, that's cool. Uh one of our other managers punched a cop, and you know, this one I'm like, yeah, I was too wife of a seal. I'm like, Are you kidding me? They're like, Oh this yeah, is This amazing. I'm, like, I'm I'm home. This is and, and they're not even veterans, I was like, Oh this is awesome, right? Well, yeah. uh, or their spouses or family are, right? So I'm like, okay, right. cool. So right. anyway, I go into this underpass and this dude with surfboards and a, and a bass guitar and some fucking ankle voice within a box hooks me up. Yeah.
1: Some dude under, let's just, no, pause because that needs a moment. So a guy from the government showed up and said, meet me under the overpass with a surfboard and long hair and a box of trackers. Did you just meet Bishop under the
3: bridge? Right. Yeah.
2: It was like meeting the dude under the bridge. More like that. That's and weird. Yeah. So I, I'm like, okay. And and I, and he's like, I was like, dude, what what do you do? He's like, dude, I just surf and play music and travel. I go. He goes. I have this business. I contract for the courts. And um, I you know I I just got back from Mexico three weeks ago. I'm like. <clears throat> I'm, so you just I'm put, in the wrong I'm in the wrong profession. What, what
1: am I, I just doing wanna slap with my life? People. I want right. ankle bracelet jobs.
2: Right, right. So um yeah, he slaps it on there and I give him 200 bucks and yeah, you have to have pay to, for it? Yeah. That
3: <laughs> <laughs> gets so much better.
4: Oh yeah.
2: My God. yeah, you got to pay for it. And uh and it has a sniffer in, in on the ankle monitor. So, because I'm not allowed to drink, right? So,
3: oh, what? When you, pers-
2: when you an, an alcohol sniffer. So, when you when you when you sweat, the first place that you sweat it usually is your ankle, and that's where it detects the alcohol seeping from your skin, and then it sends an alert to the home base station, and then they call you in for a
3: like a fist test.
2: test. Yeah, because they can detect alcohol within. Uh, 60 to 60 to 80 hours after, right?
1: What if somebody just spills alcohol on your ankle?
2: You're, then you're screwed. You're going to have to explain that and stuff. But what were you doing around alcohol? Because that's the thing is you have to go home, right? So I, I had hours oh. that I had to be home and like, here's my bus schedule. Here's what happened. Thankfully I had a job that's flexible and I could just say, Hey, here's where I was and just show proof. But yeah, so, so here's the, here's the thing though. Here's how far gone I was in those days, right? Before is this. I had to report, I was on uh, to my probation officer once a week, and I might get a test, okay? So what I would do, as far as a PISS test, right, random, Mm because they would would mm usually do randoms, and so this was uh, before I got hooked up with the ankle bracelet, because they were still, it it was still pending, right? So what led up to after the probation, okay, you're getting hooked up. So when I'd go, I was so (laughs) I'd see my probation officer. And then know, okay, I'm clear. I just signed off on everything and turn it the fuck up that oh, night
3: Ron.
2: for two, three days. And then, you know, count the hours and then psh, I'm good. And then paper it. And then, right. Cause you know, that's Bro. what we do. We learn the system. We game the system. Right.
3: You're damn right. Even
2: with, Even on the bracelet, I didn't drink on that one, but I, you know the cat the, the, the cat's gonna prowl right so there's a yes. there was a storm that came through and being the combo guy that i am i'm like oh <laughs> power's out at the house and mm-hmm. <laughs> you know but anyway yeah it was it was a weird experience so it ended up is is um uh, when i was at this office i saw that i had this space that laptop and immediately saw that there was this big need and that's when facebook and all these new groups
4: started popping up right